I don't know how many of you know this, but Clovis has a pretty good band. Our band program is uh, apparently pretty well known. And do you know how they got that way? How they got to multiple state championships? Discipline. Training. It doesn't just happen to be that we have a concentration of uber-talented kids, which we do. You all are great. But the only reason why they have been able to achieve excellence is extreme dedication, discipline, and training. I was speaking with one of the band members earlier this week, and she just kind of casually mentioned summer three-a-days. Do you know what three-a-days are? That means three times in one day they practice. That's not just discipline. That is religious devotion. Like, you all are a bunch of religious zealots, I'm telling you. And it's something impressive. It's something worth cheering on. But it's also something that I hope can be inspiring to us. Because as I reflect on that, I realize if I were as dedicated to my spiritual growth as these kids are to the band, I'd be a saint. And I think that's all of us. If we learn from those who dedicate themselves with passion to their careers, to their hobbies, to their pursuits, and we realized we need to passionately and with great discipline pursue the Lord, we'd be doing a lot better off in our spiritual lives. And we're all capable of it, and it's what the Lord invites all of us to. He doesn't want us to just be mediocre Christians that check some external boxes, have a slightly more difficult life because some of the rules that we have to follow, but ultimately we're just kind of, meh. No, He wants us to be able to have that single purpose and devotion and dedication to heaven. He wants us to pursue heaven with at least as much devotion as our band kids pursue a state championship. And so, in that context, we're able to read the second reading. The letter to the Hebrews says, My son, do not disdain the discipline of the Lord, or lose heart when reproved by him. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He scourges every son he acknowledges. Discipline. It's a word that I don't think we like. And we might have reason to recoil at that word. Some of us maybe had experiences where our parents called what was really abuse discipline. And so when we hear that, we think, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want God the Father to be like Dad was. We might think, I I, I don't like that word discipline because it just kind of reminds me of disappointment. Of how disappointed my parents seem to be in me over this or that or this other thing. But discipline with the Lord is something different. It's not Him saying, look at how you failed. It's Him saying, look at what you're capable of. Discipline for the Lord is Him calling us, having this expectation of excellence, but also helping us to reach it. He doesn't just from a distance say, you better do better. Okay? And I'm just going to be standing here waiting for you to improve. He says... Let's help you reach your potential. Because it's wildly greater than you ever imagined. He is in love with the saint that he knows that you can be. He loves you already as you are. But he loves you too much to say, Yeah, you're kind of half-baked and we're just going to leave it that way for all eternity. Yeah, you kind of maybe halfway love me. That's okay. No, he says you are capable of greater love than you have ever imagined. You have everything in you 
that all the saints had. It just needs to be activated by my grace and by your will. That's what the Lord says to each of us. And so today we can think of what is the discipline that the Lord is inviting me into? What is that, that high standard of excellence that he has? I hope that the Lord has higher standards for my excellence than the band, de- band director has for his kids. And I know that that's a pretty high standard because I get to hear them complain about it. So I'm not complain. They're very grateful for it. But I get to hear these high standards and I think, do I set those kind of standards for myself in my faith life? Or do I end up falling back on the lame excuse of, well, God's a loving God, so he doesn't really care if I'm loving myself. If I have this holiness that is characteristic of me, he doesn't care. He'll accept me however I am. Well, today's gospel might be a little gut punch for us if that's the way we've been thinking. Because God is infinitely loving. That is true. He will meet us wherever we are at. But heaven is for the loving. It's not just for those who are beloved by God. It's for those who have chosen to make love characteristic of who they are as well. We read in that gospel, Someone asked Jesus, Lord, will only a few people be saved? He answered them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. That should stop us in our tracks and say, Whoa, 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 I thought this was like free entrance for everybody. Like, come on. What is this? Jesus was supposed to be loving and kind. And he is. But heaven is hell for those who hate God. Because heaven is communion with God. And if I have spent my entire life hiding from God and in my actions hating Him, if I have spent my entire life bucking at the commandments of God, avoiding prayer, then heaven's not going to be heaven for me. It's going to feel like hell. What the Lord is saying here is that your actions, your character, your choices, all of it matters. And you should pursue heaven with at least as much devotion as athletes pursue their uh, trophies. As the, the kids in the band pursue the excellence that they achieve. You will say, we ate and drank in your company and you taught in our streets. Then he will say to you, I do not know where you are from. Well, what a terrifying prospect to think that maybe I checked all the external boxes. Maybe I considered myself to be in a category beyond reproach, right? I'm not like them out there. They don't even go to church. I at least go to church, so I'm good. But I never let the Lord change me from the inside out. I never pursued the Lord with true discipline, with real devotion. Instead, I just thought, I'm good, I'm baptized, it's okay. Besides, I go to church more often than I don't, so it's okay. Instead of realizing the Lord wants more for you, not out of this this demanding uh, taskmaster presence, but but in the manner of of a father who loves you, who says, I see in you such greatness, and I wish that you saw it yourself, and I want to bring you to that, but it's going to take discipline. It's going to take daily devotion. It's going to take no longer hiding from me so that I can not know where you are from, but being in communion with me so that I can lead you to the greatness for which you were made. We prayed in the collect, that first prayer that I say at the beginning of Mass. Today's was particularly beautiful. We prayed, O God, who caused the minds of the faithful to unite in a single purpose, 
Grant your people to love what you command and to desire what you promise, that amid the uncertainties of this world, our hearts may be fixed on that place where true gladness is found. Friends, everything is in that prayer. First of all, cause the minds of the faithful to unite in a single purpose. All of us here, we have different hobbies, we have different interests, we have different careers, different things that make us passionate about pursuing some kind of a goal. And all of those are great. I'm not talking about either or. I'm not saying all of you have to ditch band and just come be at the church all the time. What I'm saying is, first things first. Where does your first passion go? Where does your deepest discipline and devotion go? Am I more concerned with the things that at my dying breath I'm going to have to say goodbye to? Or am I more concerned with the one that I will see for all of eternity? What is my single purpose? That, that, that central focus of my life around which everything else revolves. If it's not God, it's too small. If it's not God, you're going to have to say goodbye to it someday. And I don't want that to be a tragic moment. I want the death of every single person here to be a moment where we are filled with hope rather than sadness. I want it to be a moment where I'm not more saying goodbye to the things that I gave my heart to, but instead saying hello to the one for whom my heart has always longed. And so what is our single purpose? And are we united in that? Do we support one another in it? Very often we'll talk about everything but the faith. We'll say, oh, how's work going? How's family? How are sports? How are the kids doing with this and with that other activity? But we'll never say, man, how's your prayer life? Oh, we'll never say, yeah, wh- what are you all doing as a family to, to grow closer? Because Mass has been kind of tough for us, right? The kids are at this age where they don't quite get what's going on, so they just think, like, do we have to sit in the uncomfortable chair for an hour again? And, and do you share at that level? Or are we supporting one another in that single purpose of heaven? Grant your people to love what you command and to desire what you promise. Am I wasting my desires on far too little? Do I only ever attend to the surface level desires of my heart? Really, what can I accomplish this week? Or what uh, little medal can I get here, or trophy there? Those things are great, but if that is the overarching desire of my life, I'm shooting way too low, or I'm aiming way too low, and I'm missing eternity. Do I have that desire for heaven that gets me up in the morning, that allows me to live out the challenging call of the gospel? Do I love what the Lord commands? See, here we realize that discipline is not punishment. Discipline is not God saying, this is how you've messed up. It's Him saying, this is a very high bar. I know that you can reach it if only you work with me on this. If you dedicate yourself to it, And he expresses that through his commandments. Those that our father gave us in scripture and that our mother, the church, gives us in her perennial teachings. We can ask ourselves this week, how am I doing with that? Do I love what he commands or do I just begrudgingly do it? If I don't love what he commands, why? Is it because it's difficult? Is it because maybe I don't understand why? And I just think it's an arbitrary rule that a bunch of old dudes in Rome thought up? And if I think in those terms, have I pursued that line of questioning? Have I tried to understand the why behind the what? The the meaning behind the rules? If I haven't, I'm selling myself short. 
Because there's a deep beauty to all that the Lord commands because he loves you more than you love yourself. He wants you to flourish more than you want you to flourish. That amid the uncertainties of this world, our hearts may be fixed on that place where true gladness is found. To what have I given my heart? Have I split it up into so many little pieces among all the different goods of this world that when I come to the Lord, there's almost nothing left? And I just say to him, well, here are the dregs of who I am. Or do I come to him first and say, Lord, I want my pursuit of you to be the most important thing in my life and everything else to fall into place around it. This week we have the opportunity, this Mass we have the opportunity to set our hearts on that place where true gladness is found. Let's do that. Let's think through, pray through this week. What is it in my life that is keeping me from having first things first? From pursuing the Lord and holiness and heaven with as much devotion as athletes have for uh, their sport. As as, uh, masters have for their craft as the band kids have for our band. Let's be inspired by those who have given themselves over to a passionate pursuit of something. And let us just as, or no, even more passionately pursue the Lord and holiness and heaven.